0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited.
0: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome to Locked On Grizzlies. My name is Peter Edmiston. Thank you for joining me on this Tuesday in a very eventful Tuesday, it has turned out to be because the finish line is here. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about not only the finish line for the season, but also the finish line in ownership discussion. And really, a lot of loose ends that have been around the Grizzlies for months have been pretty well tied up all in the last 24 hours or so. So enjoy We're going to talk about all of that and answer a very interesting question, too. That is on the way uh, here Unlocked on Grizzlies. Thank you for downloading it. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for sticking with me through a very tough campaign. The Grizzlies lose in uh, Minnesota. No surprise that that is the case. Um, The Timberwolves have everything to play for. The Grizzlies had nothing to play for. And though that was the case a couple weeks ago and the Grizzlies still managed to win, even at this point, this Grizzlies team... Couldn't fail to lose. And in doing so, because of what happened uh, over the last few days, the Grizzlies have clinched the second worst record in the league, which means they have clinched no worse than the fifth pick in the 2018 NBA draft. And that should allow the Grizzlies to get something quite valuable. We're going to spend a great deal of time over the next couple of months preparing for the draft, talking about. Uh, prospects, trust me, you are going to hear a ton from me, from other people, going to get a lot of folks involved on in this thing and looking very forward to doing uh, a lot of that. I love the draft and love being able to break it down. It's going to be so much fun to actually be um, at the top of the draft and talk about the very best prospects in what is a loaded draft. That's It's a tremendous, um, you know, it's a lot, it's, <coughs> it's actually fun. It's actually an, a fun off-season and a fun draft season, which is something we have not had a lot of around here. It's been a horrendous regular season, obviously, so you, there's that trade-off, but at least uh, you, know, you could turn the page and have a fun off-season and have a lot of uh, discussion over the next couple of months, and that's exactly what we're going to do here on the podcast. So the Grizzlies have clinched that spot in Oklahoma City with their win Monday night against Miami. That means that... Uh, everything's pretty much sealed up. In terms of that uh, matchup uh, on Wednesday, that's a total irrelevant matchup. Doesn't mean anything for either team. Oklahoma City has clinched a playoff spot. The Grizzlies have clinched the second spot. Nothing can change, so uh, they may, you know, Russell Westbrook may try to just grab every rebound known to man. He needs a 16, I think, in that game to clinch another triple-double season. So maybe he goes for that, or maybe they rest everybody. Uh, I have no idea, but it doesn't really matter because uh, the game itself is uh, is an irrelevance. Now, next thing, big, 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 big news from the Grizzlies, and it happened right before game time uh, on Monday night. Robert Perez sent a an email to MVP season ticket holders. That is the Grizzlies' new way, of communicating, sort of bypassing all the traditional channels, just sending emails directly to um, season ticket holders. And so doing that, Robert Perra confirmed that after the months and months of discussion and negotiation and everything else, he is going to buy out uh, Steve Kaplan and Daniel Strauss, the two individuals who each had the opportunity to execute the buy-sell clause, uh, so, th- that those those values were set, and then Robert Perra had the opportunity to buy them out at that value or be bought out himself. He is elected to buy them out, which means he will not only retain, but he will massively increase his stake in the Grizzlies and end up with probably in the neighborhood of 55%, somewhere in there, I guess, uh, when it's all said and done, he will be... The majority owner now, and the controlling owner, he will remain in that position, and uh, that will end the intrigue about what's going to happen for the Grizzlies from an ownership standpoint. This, I think, for those of you listening in Memphis especially, is good news, because Robert Pera means stability. It's one of those things, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. I think there are a lot of issues with Robert Perez's stewardship and ownership of the team, but he is far more likely to remain in Memphis, to keep the team in Memphis, to potentially renegotiate the lease, which uh, is up in 2027, uh, to renegotiate naming rights for the stadium, to renegotiate all those different things that would help you kind of seal up your spot in the city and be part of it. All those things I think he is far more likely to do than not to do. So, credit to him uh, for that. And I think ultimately that's going to be a good thing. The, there's always the potential. There's always going to be uh, other cities out there. Seattle is clearly chomping at the bit to try to get a team. They are spending a great deal of money building facilities. It's a much bigger market than Memphis, so that is always a little bit worrisome, but um, everything is in place right now to continue the stability and continue the team's run in Memphis. It is good news on that front. If you are uh, in Memphis and you want to see the team stay in Memphis, and certainly I do, and I, I would suggest most of you do as well, so that's very good news there. Um, the bad news would be you know, I, I don't think that, that Robert Perry has been an especially good owner. I don't think that he's really um, excelled in that in that front. Um, I don't think he's done a lot of great things. The upgrades the Grizzlies have made have been good, but they've been kind of par for the course. If you look around the rest of the NBA, most of the teams are making upgrades. It's kind of what you do. Uh, FedEx Forum was due for a lot of those upgrades, uh, so really not a shock that that uh, that, that was done some of that is done is actually part of the um you know stadium lease and and everything else that that's that's part of the gig so i don't put a lot of stock in that i would say you know he he's not present you know he doesn't actually you know come to the games i i don't to me i understand the guy's got a very busy schedule um ubiquity has clearly got some issues that they are dealing with. And so um, that is something that he is spending a great deal of time on. I got all that. But it just feels to me like if you're owning an NBA team, you'd want to, I don't know, go see the team play, particularly in the home market that you happen to own the team in. You've got access to private transportation. You've got plenty of money. Uh, it seems odd to me that you wouldn't at least uh, once or twice a year go see that team, and he's just been very absentee, so that in and of itself is not a big deal necessarily, he's not the only one that does that, but he's also a guy that doesn't communicate, so you don't really articulate any sort of a vision for the team, and no one that's really associated with him has articulated a real vision long term for the team, you haven't really seen that, you haven't heard that. What is it the, that the, the Grizzlies' culture? Forget about grit grind. That's that's done, that's over. They can say it's not. It's over. The the core four, whatever they. That's all. That's all in the past. They've got to build something new. What is the Grizzlies? What are, what's that concept? It's a culture. What's the concept? What you? What are you? What are you trying to find? How are you going to be like the Spurs, the Heat, Celtics? Um, these organizations that have built up a true culture, or are you going to be like you know other teams that slipped into the lottery and stayed there for a while because you couldn't articulate that culture and you couldn't find the right mix? You know why have you uh, not gone after head coaches? You know why have you not tried to really prioritize that position? You know why have you not been able to keep um, guys that seem to be part of the fabric? of building something, you know, whether it was Fisdale or whether it was Lionel or, um, you know, those kinds of things. Why have you not really tried to keep that going? Why have you allowed it to slip and slide and atrophy? Um, You know, what is the core now? Where do the Grizzlies go from here? Those are all questions that the owner and the front office and the highest levels are going to have to answer. You're going to have to have a synchronicity from the ownership through to the head coach in the coaching staff that goes through to the players. You know, it's got to be a seamless group. The best organizations have that seamless line that runs from the players to the coaches, to the front office, and ultimately to ownership. The Grizzlies, they do not have that. It's a very jagged line. They have to straighten that out. have to figure out. And I would suggest, uh, some changes in the front office would not go amiss. Um, you know, even if it's something that's ceremonial, and I think, you know, removing Chris Wallace and maybe putting Ed Stefanski in charge or something of that nature is probably ceremonial to some extent, but I think it would help. And I think it's going to be a hard sell to put Chris Wallace back out there for a big draft, having seen what the Grizzlies have done with first round picks over the last decade. Um, have they really articulated how they're going to change that process? To be able to pick better in those positions. All those questions. That kind of stuff. I want to see Robert Pera. While I am happy that he has returned. And I think it's better for the city. As a Memphian myself. I was pulling for Robert Pera to win. For that reason. Because of the stability of the team. But now it's time for him to take it to the next level. Not just be stable but be proactive and build something, put those roots down and build a grisly culture that isn't simply the core four, that isn't simply a look back to them, that isn't grit and grind and that's it. That's not, that's not permanent. That's not culture. That's not putting those roots down for the organization. That's an era that was fabulous, but that time has come and gone. You've got to build something new. So what? what's he going to do? That's what I want to see. Those are the questions I want to start to see answered from Robert Perrin now that this thing has become uh, official and he's going to be the majority and the controlling owner of the team. So uh, a lot to think about there. Uh, when we come back, I'll answer a very interesting question from uh, one of our listeners who uh, I thought really posed something that uh, made me think. And we'll go back, take a little trip back to memory lane about two months ago and talk about uh, how quickly things can change. That's next as you listen to Locked on Grizzlies.
1: This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
2: Had a question come in that was very interesting. On the Twitter, at Peter Edmiston, if you want to get in touch with me, I would be happy to chat with you and uh, answer your question as best I can. And this was a good one that came in from at Koldar Arg, Koldar Arg, K U L D A R A R G, at Koldar Arg, who's had a, a few good questions. This is a very good one. Who says, uh, Peter, what do you think about the Hollinger interview that you did when looking back at it now? Was it just talk to keep up the appearance of competing, or what changed? Um, and for those of you that did not hear it back uh, in uh, February. Right after the trade deadline when the Grizzlies elected not to trade Tyreek Evans, I spoke with John Hollinger, Grizzlies Vice President of Basketball Operations, Executive Vice President, excuse me, Uh, I don't want to shortchange John a title there, and uh, it was a great interview. John is as candid as he can possibly be and was uh, really forthcoming about a lot of things, a lot of the thinking behind the scenes that the Grizzlies had about keeping Tyreek. Very controversial move, of course, electing not to trade him. Didn't like the return that they were going to get, and so they just didn't trade him at all. And when we talked about it, uh, I brought up the idea that this was something that, you know, a lot of folks, myself included, said might well be counterproductive because the presence of Tyreek Evans means you're probably going to win more games than you want to, which means you're probably not going to end up with uh, as good a pick as you possibly could have. Uh, are you worried about squandering uh, a bad season, that kind of thing. And uh, so I asked John, we kind of talked about that a little bit. And here is uh, a little excerpt from the interview to get, remind you of what John said at the time. Again, this was about two months ago.
3: I I get it. Um, I just think to accomplish the things we want to accomplish with the, with the guys we have um, with the, with the, younger players we have who at least a few of which have to be key players for us next year to get where we want to go with them will inevitably require us to play well enough to probably win some games.
2: (laughs) Do you have an internal track (laughs) of, of, I mean, like, do you know, like what do you, what do you have a a win total that you think is like, this is going to be the worst record in the league. This is going to be, do you guys have, I mean, I know you, you probably do, but I mean, do do you have a threshold here?
3: No, no, I, I, um, I think you know we had I think we all have an idea in our head that regardless of what happened I mean if you just if you just look at our team look at our results and project out a little bit there's sort of a how can I put this a ceiling uh, yeah it's a it's a it's a tricky topic to talk about yeah. peter but
2: you're saying that there's maybe a a, a a limit to the success that could theoretically
3: be had, even in a best case scenario. At both ends, I, I would say I would say a ceiling and a floor. There there are, I think there are some teams that will do some things that we aren't willing to do, <laughs> and that that was the case with where, where, regardless of whether me a made a trade or not. Um, so. At, at the end of the day, you, regardless of what happens, you need to get lucky to be at the top three, uh, especially if you don't have the worst record in the league, which is not something that we ever thought was likely for us and I, in in any scenario. Um, and and I would hope actually we don't. It, we would have to fail on some of our other goals to end up there. Um, so uh, I... I I get why people are looking at it that way.
2: Obviously the thought then was that the Grizzlies would win. And John saying, in fact, you know, not even in so many words, coming out and saying that they expected other teams to do things that the Grizzlies weren't going to be willing to do in terms of tanking. And that if the Grizzlies were in contention for the worst record, it was because they failed in other areas of development. Well, uh, I think it's safe to say they probably did fail in some other areas of development because they were in contention for that worst pick. So what does what that that interview now, what does it mean now? When you go back, was, was John just um, being deceptive? No, I don't think so. I think that was a legitimate thought. He was That was his thinking at the time. I, I think he really didn't expect the season to unfold quite like this. I think the key thing... To answer your question, Coldar, I think the key thing that changed everything was the the legit rib injury that Tyreek Evans suffered um, not too long after the Grizzlies came back from the uh, All-Star break. And so he suffered a rib injury that was, you know, I think it was, it was definitely a legit injury. And, you know, I've had sore ribs myself over the last month or so. It, it's no fun. But the Grizzlies could use that as a plausible reason to take him out of action for probably a lot longer than you would have thought. Probably, you know, do a little bit of extra tanking that they probably didn't anticipate. I think the the expectation was, in their minds, they kind of did a little calculation and said, okay, look, we keep Tyreek Evans, we have an opportunity to maybe re-sign him, and yeah, we're going to give up on getting some second-round picks or... You know, whatever it is that they were going to get, but we have the opportunity to resign him and you know whatever he does in terms of helping our, our pick get better is something that we can we can live with. But if you have the chance to keep him and then you know shelve him and not allow him to help your pick, then that really is the, the best of both worlds. So I think once they had that opportunity, they took it and grabbed it, And used it perfectly. Now, as far as the other stuff is concerned, um, you know, I I don't know that that John and I don't know that the Grizzlies really thought that they were legitimately going to be in contention for the spot that they've ended up in at uh, number two, the second worst record. I don't think they really thought that was in play. But when you lose 19 straight games and there were so many games in there that were pretty close that they managed to lose and when the thing kept kind of growing and growing and growing it got to the point where uh, it sort of fed on itself a little bit and I think it surprised them I think it surprised the players it certainly surprised um, me I didn't think they'd be that bad but once they had that opportunity they really grabbed it with both hands and they started to tank um, in a way that I, I don't It certainly didn't sound like John was expecting them to do. The stuff he said about teams being willing to do things that the Grizzlies weren't, uh, I think, has kind of rung hollow um, now because you saw the Grizzlies really pull out all the stops when it came to tanky at the end of the year, uh, messing with Marc Gasol's minutes, uh, sitting guys, sitting, you know, basically a third of the team on any given night, all kinds of really aggressive moves. uh, Some uh, playing Jarrell Martin at the three extensively. Um, That is not something that is really beneficial to anybody's development. I mean, the situation in Utah with Mark Gasol was as aggressive a tanking move as you will ever see. So that stuff, I think um, maybe John didn't expect them to be in that position um, or maybe he didn't expect that the front office would actually go through with it, but they did. And it does, make that interview, um, it it sort of, I don't know if it it makes it, it doesn't make it invalid or anything, but it it definitely shows you how much can change over the course of a month. Because really it was a month after that interview, in the midst of that 19-game losing streak, that the idea that the Grizzlies had an opportunity to maybe even be the worst record or in, in that neighborhood, now the second worst record, that really became a reality, and the Grizzlies, once they saw that opportunity, once they had a chance to grab that, they grabbed it with both hands, and that is, depending on how you look at it, uh, to their credit, or some people would say to their shame, I think it's to their credit, because you might as well take advantage of a bad situation and try to make it uh, worthwhile and get something out of it as best as possible. And now the Grizzlies have clenched no worse than the fifth pick in the draft, and in this draft, that should net you something quite good. You really should be able to get something of value in a very good player, even if you end up picking at, at number five. So if that has made the tank worth it, then so be it. It was the right thing
0: to do, but it wasn't easy. This is Jake from Locked On. Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. A
2: quick note to wrap up this edition of Locked on Grizzlies. One of the reasons that the Grizzlies signed Marshawn Brooks to the multi-year deal that he signed was that he offers something that no one else really can do for the Grizzlies, and that is isolation offense. And thus far, uh, he has been spectacular. Uh, After the game against Minnesota, that's six games that he's played. He's had 30 isolation possessions, according to Synergy. And uh, so if you you cap that, say that's the minimum possession. Uh, if If you look at the leaderboard with 30 as the minimum possession, he is number one in the NBA in isolation offense by a mile. 1.6 1.6 points per possession which is absolutely superb uh, particularly on isolation where you know most times you struggle to even hit one point per possession uh, that's that is really good much less uh, you know there's only 38 guys that have even one point per possession he's at 1.6 after 30 which is pretty darn amazing 70 point four percent shooting from the field shooting isolation, to start with, that is pretty amazing. And again, you have to take into account this the end of the season and all that stuff. But still, that's a that's a really remarkable um, offensive push. And here's, if you want to get even more specific, how about this? Top isos. So, uh, isos at the top of the key. He is shooting 14 of 17 this year, and that's 82 percent, 106 percent effective field goal percentage because he's hit quite a few threes. And his three misses, of those three misses, two of them have been barely rimming out. He could easily be 16 of 17 in those top isolations. So uh, it is numbers like that that get you excited, and things will change when he's more planned for and more prepared for by the opposition. But for now, at least uh, a lot to like about Marshawn Brooks' game and his ability to isolate in a way that really very few Grizzlies uh, can even think about uh, doing, Tyreek Evans' would be probably, you know, he and Mike Conley. That's pretty much it. And who knows what's going to happen with Tyreek Evans next year. So Marshawn Brooks, um, you know, depending on how things go this summer uh, and uh, in the uh, in the camp situation, you'd think he'd have a role to play uh, next year for the Grizzlies. Thank you so much for listening in and for downloading the podcast. Please, 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 please uh, get in touch with me if you have anything that you want to uh, to throw out there. edmiston at gmail.com is my email address, p edmiston at gmail.com you can also uh, hit me up on twitter at peter edmiston uh, thank you for downloading and if you want, want to leave a review that would be wonderful uh, i would appreciate that very much it really helps with the itunes and all that stuff you can get us on itunes spotify uh anywhere you download the podcast and your podcast players we got you covered thank you very much for listening have yourself a great tuesday as you've been listening to locked on grizzlies